0: Okay, welcome back. I'm glad to be here. Hope you had a good day. I'm uh, I had some great conversations today. It's really fun to be with y'all. I'm I'm the one that's really blessed uh, more than you probably, but uh, it's great to be together again tonight. Uh, how great is our God? I I was back in the back row. Uh, not so much singing, but praying that uh, God would be great tonight. And I just paused and said, "Oh God, I need You to be great in my life tonight." And um, you know that's how I kind of worship. I I don't. I sometimes I sing along, sometimes I don't, but. I try to enter into the words and, uh, because that's a statement we're making, how great is our God, and, and, and you're declaring that, but the challenging part is working that out day-to-day, isn't it? And uh, tonight I'm going to talk a bit with you about um, growing our faith. Uh, And this message was kind of birthed out of people just like you talking with me about how they struggle with faith. And they're believers. In a lot of ways, they're growing. Uh, They may be leaders in their ministry. Uh, They've been to summer missions opportunities. They've been to spring breaks. They may meet with people one-on-one. And so they're doing a lot of things that would suggest real maturity. in a lot of ways, they are mature, but way down deep, some are way down deep, they struggle with just simple trust in our great God. So I might hopefully I can help you take a step forward uh, we were talking at the dinner table about evangelism, and, and Chucks was saying, you know, he, he doesn't lead people to Christ all the time, but he, his goal is to help them to take a step forward toward God. And as he meets with people, I thought, what a great thought that is. And so tonight, tonight I'm not necessarily going to solve all your trusting issues, but I want you to take a step forward. And so that's where we're going to start there's uh, Jesus was talking with uh, his disciples, and uh, he was giving, he was talking about a fig tree and, and bearing fruit, not bearing fruit. But he ended the conversation with this verse, Mark eleven twenty two. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. And you know, it's, it seems so simplistic, doesn't it? <laughs> and, and yet, you know, that's our our primary struggle, at least one of them. Do we really trust God? And so the gist of my talk tonight is addressing something that I think is, at least for the students I've talked with, a major issue, and they're not trusting God. And we're going to talk about our identity in Christ. And uh, you may have heard talks on identity, you may have done Bible studies on it, there's a lot out there, there's a lot of books out there. And uh, I'm going to, I think, probably approach it a little bit differently. Um, every, every one of us has an identity, whether you believe it or not, uh, every one of us does. It may be good and healthy, it may be not so much. But every one of us has an identity, a personal identity. And, and, and to a large degree, our identity uh, can be found rooted in, in a few things. One thing is, uh, is that we are what others tell us. Um, I uh, have a, a friend who, uh, a, a close friend, and when he was young, his dad told him that he was a worthless, the S word. And this guy uh, is a key leader. And uh, some of you would know him if I shared his name. But he said that he took on that identity that he was worthless. I have a, a good friend that uh, Sandy and I are real close to. She, we met her as a college student, and she's about 42 now. And when she was growing up, uh, when she would walk in front of the television, uh, her dad would shove her down and say, get out of the way, you stupid girl. And so that took root in her, and that in a sense became her name. She was Jenny Stupid, and uh, she became a believer and began to grow, but she's still, at some level, haunted by that name. Now, here's what God says in Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you, and see, this is what we we struggle with trust: is God really going to be faithful to us? And uh, and that's that's kind of the bottom line of of trust and faith. God, will you be faithful to do what is really best from your perspective in my heart? And and that's kind of the. The ground battle here—it's—it may not be so much. uh, God help me to get a job after college. Certainly, that's a faith issue too. But the but the bottom line issue is God. Do you truly have my best interest at heart? Now, another way we get our identity is what other uh, we are. What we possess. An example of this would be the rich young ruler in Mark. 10, and Jesus so wanted this young man to, to be his follower. You could almost sense the, the hunger Jesus had. And uh, the guy said, uh, so what must I do to be your follower? And Jesus, of course, reading the situation, said, well, you've done so many good things, but you still need to give up all you possess, And and he turned away from from the living God because he could not part with his possession. So his identity was based up on what he possessed. Now, a third way we we can gather our identity is we are what we do. Uh, I have a friend who resigned from a uh, Christian organization a few years ago, and his whole life was caught up in this ministry, a really wonderful ministry. And he has really, really struggled uh, in the days and months and years following because at some level, his identity was tied up in what he did. And so we can get our identity from different uh, places. And you know, this is not, there's probably other ways too that we could come up with. But Here's, here's the challenge we have as we grow as a believer. The devil wants to hijack our true identity, and he's really good at it. He's been doing it a long time. And the way he does it is through lies. He lies to us. Uh, John eight forty four, 44, speaking, he was a murderer from the beginning, And does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So this is how the devil messes with our true identity. He lies to us. And at some level, we often buy into those lies. My experience has been that most every believer buys in at some time, at some level, to the lies that the the devil is feeding them. And you may have never really thought about it, And, and yet at some level, you may be believing a lie that the devil gave to you through maybe a loved one through uh, uh, media, it could be through anything. And so here's what happens when we accept the lives of the devil. Three ideas. It limits our capacity to trust God. And so, you know, I opened up with uh, how great is our God and, and, the, and how the bottom... Ground zero on it, do we really trust this great God? If we buy into a lie of the devil, that compromises to some degree our faith in God. I mean, why would uh, this gal I was telling you about that her dad called her stupid and she grew up believing she was stupid. See, it, it took on a part of her, her identity and, and so when she came to seeking to walk with God every day, there was this tug on her that you're really a stupid person. I'm not sure God truly loves you, or, or I'm not sure she would think God wouldn't love her because of that lie. Because uh, why would he truly love someone that was stupid, you know, as, as she thought in her mind? Um, the second limit, the thing lies can do, it limits our capacity to live a transparent life. We've talked a lot about that today. I've talked about um, friends and how I've grown with close friends. I've had a lot of conversations with you all about close friends. If we believe the lies of the devil, at some level, that's going to limit our capacity to have deep, transparent. Um, conversation and life with others. Uh, A few years ago, there was a a gal in our church life group, and uh, she would not open up her life at all. And I asked her husband about it, and, and he said, well, she believes that we would not love her if you really knew her. And I said, boy, that is a lie of the devil. And this gal is a smart gal, you know, a professional worker. She reads the Bible. She she does outreach. But she's believed a lie of the devil. And it's, and it's totally hindered her ability to have close relationships with others. I've seen this in marriages as well. And the third thing is that If we believe a lie of the devil, it will limit or it keeps the focus on us. Um, Let me give you a couple of illustrations here. So I met with uh, a gal a few years ago. These are a long time ago. These are not like current students. And um, she said when she was about six, she went down in the basement and her father had an uh, office down there, and he was at work, but she went into his office and saw a stack of Playboy magazines. And so being a six-year-old, she just started opening them. And she, t- she told me as a college student, she said, I, I decided at that time I could never be as pretty is those girls and she said but I am going to give everything I have to try and so she you know did overkill on athletics she was in dance she was uh, she worked on her physical image she had other issues too but she believed a lie and uh, that she was not pretty And she bought into it, beginning as a six-year-old, and it was playing out years later. And she was a believer. She was involved in ministry. But she had tapped into a lie. See, the devil is really good at this. And um, that's why so many people fall for it. A lie that we believe can become our name we don't go publicly by that name, but way down deep, we believe that's our name. That, um, well, let me, let me give you an illustration from my life. So my name is Robert Wood Anderson. My middle name is my mother's maiden name. And uh, my first name, Robert, was, uh, I was named after my Uncle Bob. His name was Robert Warren Anderson. And so, that was my name. Now, uh, I my, both of my parents had passed away, but they were dear people. But they were very humble in origin. My mom was off of a very small kind of subsistence cotton farm in southern Arkansas. My dad was off a small farm in Missouri. And so... My dad never made a lot of money, and so as I grew up, you know, I never got the the nice baseball mittens, uh, gloves, or bats, or shoes, and uh, there were times where back in the day, if you won a game, I know this is crazy now, but the kids would be rewarded by going out to the root beer stand in Tulsa. It was Weber's root beer, and they cost five, uh, five cents for a big mug of root beer. But um, my dad would kind of know the rotation of the parents to buy, and there were times where we would go home after the game. And one time I said, why can't we get a root beer? And they were, mom and dad were very quiet in the front seat and said, we just don't have the money. And it was only like two bucks for everyone, a root beer. And, um, so I began to feel different. My dad also had really crippling polio this leg was really small. He wore a full brace on this leg and he wore a full brace around his back to, to hold him up because his back was so crippled. And you know, as a, as a child, I could, not, uh, I could not sort out that in spite of that, he's an incredibly great dad. I, I struggled with the image of my dad not being able to do what other men do. My mom had uh, social needs. Uh, she was on tranquilizers, and back, back in the 50s and early 60s, they were pretty rough, and there were a lot of side effects with them. So, um, and I, w- I, was, I struggled in school. I was put in a remedial um, reading group. I, I remember in third grade being called to this group of four other students over in a corner to, to get a, a first grade reading book and all the other students looking at this group. And I remember uh, one time in fifth grade, I was put over against the wall with four or five other students who were having trouble learning to spell. And we got a pink second grade spelling book, whereas all the others had their fifth grade assignments. And I remember feeling so... Much a step behind. One, um, in the seventh grade, I tried out for the basketball team and I made the team. And uh, I, I really worked hard and I hustled and I ran after the ball and, and all of that. And so there were 15 guys on the team and I made the team. So uh, the day. The practice before the first game, the coach gave out really cool uniforms, and I got this really neat uniform. We were the Whitney Bears, Eli Whitney Bears. It had bears on it. And I was so proud of that. Dad took my picture. So we go to the first game. And um, so the coach comes in to the locker room and has a, a bag And he said, Bob, I didn't count right. We only have 14 uniforms, and I need to get your uniform. And I brought you these white shorts and white T-shirt. And we'll get you a uniform. Don't worry about it. So I take off this uniform and put on white shorts and a white T-shirt. And then at the beginning of the season, the... uh, the both coaches introduced their teams and the coach would toss the ball and someone would walk out and coach would say, this guy really can shoot well, or this guy plays good defense. And so I was the last and he, and he, and he threw me the ball and he said, we're going to get Bob a uniform. And that's what he said. And as I dribbled the ball out, he never did give me the uniform, but I never quit that team. I wasn't going to give him the satisfaction of it. So every game throughout that season, I, I came with my white shorts and my white T-shirt. But all that being said, I, I just felt a step behind. And so do you know what my name I identified with? I wouldn't say this. To, in fact, this didn't really come to, together on me until just a few years ago. But how I felt in in my internal name was Bob Below Average. And to this day, if I let my flesh rule, I will think of that name. Uh, It doesn't matter that I have a professional pilot's license. It doesn't matter that I... uh, as an officer in the military. It doesn't matter that I graduated with honors from seminary, Uh, it doesn't matter matter that uh, we got a ministry going and it runs four or five hundred students, none of that matters when I buy into the lie. And uh, the lies are so powerful that that we can believe. And they become our name. Let me give you a, a couple of examples of of lies that uh, students that I've I've met and and spent time with. Uh, one man um, he became a a project engineer for the cruise missile. He was one smart guy but his dad never ever affirmed him growing up and so do you know what his name became unnecessary his dad did not spend time with him so he he believed at some level this would not be outward where you know it would be visible it would be very internal a lie and And that's the lie the devil likes to subvert everything and so he just grew up believing he was unnecessary and um another young woman uh, she's older and she's single, and the lie that she has believed that she's um Undesirable. That's that's a hard burden to carry, you know. Um, to feel, to believe you're undesirable, and it's a lie. It's not the truth. It's a lie. One man, his dad uh, never affirmed him, and but. Even when he did something well, his dad would say, "Well, I think you kind of screwed up here on this." So Gordon believed that his name was inadequate. He just could never marriage up. could never measure up. This is actually Gordon McDonald, one of my favorite authors. He tells this story about just never measuring up to his dad. He was inadequate, and he carried this name for decades. One young woman that Sandy and I have spent a lot of time with, when she was about seven, her grandfather was very ill, and so her parents would take her over, and they would tell her, you know, if you really are good to grandpa, he's going to he's going to keep living and he'll be happy. Well, the grandfather died. And so the name that she has lived with, she's she's probably 50 now, is that she's a failure. She has a beautiful family. She's smart. She ministers to people. But but the, the lie that's way down deep is that she's a failure. Uh, I know a, a person that uh, has social needs and has problems relating in the social environment. It, it's just how they are. It's not because they chose to be unsocially. It's just is how they are. And she believes that she's unlikable because people tend to keep her at arm's length. And she believes the lie that she's unlikable. I have another friend that um, I've known well for so many years. And uh, his name that he's bought into because of One sentence is that he's worthless. So do you see how these lies can get into our our lives? And if you personally are not grappling with faith and trust and are not grappling with this, I guarantee you the people you're around probably are. And the problem is we we push it aside so far, we, we really don't get it because the devil is so good at masking it. And so we, our life goes on. We do good things. We're a contribution to ministry, to people around, but this lie is really working undercover. And one of the results of that is that we struggle with faith. We struggle with simple trust. And, uh, we need to bulldoze this stuff down, <laughs> and for, for we are free to truly trust God day in and day out. I think uh, the end result of not only faith is that we struggle with, God, do you truly love me? And at some level, we would struggle with the love of God and you know, so we, when we sing this song, how great is our God, uh, we have to really think about those words. Is that really true in a, in a day-to-day way that we're totally buying into the greatness of God and He can be fully trusted? Um, so listen, listen carefully to this thought here. Well, first of all, I want to share with you a verse uh, or a transition. We're transitioning down. Let's, let's, put, the, let's put the lies aside, okay? <laughs> enough, enough of the lies. Let's transition to truth. There's a story of, of Jesus in uh, Matthew 3. He came to John. And asked John to baptize him. So John said, me? Yeah, you. So they go down in the water. And you may remember the story. They come up out of the water. And the heavens open. And if you remember the story, a dove comes down and lights on Jesus. And a voice comes out of heaven. And and the voice is found in Matthew Matthew 3, 17. And I think I have a a slide for that. Um, And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So this is God the Father's evaluation and statement about his son he is my beloved son my beloved son there's god has a lot of names throughout the old and new testament this i think as far as the relationship to god the father and god the son is this one that god sees jesus as beloved jesus my beloved there's a verse in Jude chapter 1, or Jude 1, verse 1. says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called beloved in God, the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. So as Jude wrote this book, one chapter, under the inspiration of God, he called those that he wrote this to beloved in God. This, this was the name that came to those people. Um, so, as you think of your life, If you think of what God in Christ has done for you, as you think of his death on the cross, his resurrection, and his life in you, he lives in you. Uh, In fact, he calls you a temple. You know, Jesus used to go to the temple and worship and pray. You know, you are his temple. And all that incredible... Panorama of the temple and the tabernacle through the Old Testament, that's you now. And um, you're a, a holy temple. And so, what is your name? What is your true name? Your name is, for me, Bob, God's beloved. That's how God sees me. That's my name. That's the truth. And at every moment of every day, I'm his beloved. And it's true for you too. You are, in your name, the beloved. And, and I believe it's just as true as when Jesus was called the beloved coming out of the water. And so we're buying into the wrong name here. (laughs) You know, we we buy into these lies, but you're beloved. And when you see yourself as that way, it's not so hard to trust God. How could you not trust someone who sees you as beloved? Beloved. And, and my suspicion is that our, our struggle with faith and our struggle with feeling loved of God is because we bought into the lies of the devil and we have not deeply embraced that we are the beloved. So when I, at times, are tempted to think of myself as below average, you know, when I get with Chuck and and Neil and listen to them, and, you know, I feel a little bit behind. uh, I have to remember that I'm beloved. That's my name. And it's okay if people have different talents. You know, we all have different capacities, and some people are good at this, some people are good at that. You know, that's just God's incredible creation, but we are all the beloved. So here's how I want to summarize this. And I, uh, I hesitated on doing this, but I, I, I'm going to give it a try. I would like for you to consider here tonight If you have bought into a lie, to stand up and tell us that lie, but also say, but I'm and share your name, the beloved of God. Go ahead and put that slide up. I believe the lie that my name is whatever it would be. I declare God's truth that my name is and you say your name beloved of God. Let's start dismantling this lie stuff, you know? And uh, let's believe truth in what God says about it. And my suspicion will be that as you begin to do this, uh, your faith, your trust in God is going to start moving up. How could you not trust a God who sees you as the blood? So, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not one to uh, manipulate or to drag things out. I just wanted, you know, as a family here this week, um, if you feel that you've bought into a lie and you would like to confess God's truth to the rest of us, I'd like to give you the opportunity to do that. Um, and and just, you can just say that if you really believe that in your heart. And, uh, there may be one or two or 10 or 20 or 30. I don't know how many of there would be.